0: our Savior, our Lord, and our life.
1: Beloved, thanks for joining us today on the Our Resolute Hope podcast. My name is John Russett, and once again, I'm here with my dear friend, Pastor Frank Friedman, who is within striking distance of moving into his new house, aren't you, Frank?
2: Yeah, next week, next week, next week. Next week, you know, it's <laughs> delays, amazing. delays. It's amazing how uh,
1: how next week happens to become, it's kind of like when you're waiting for the gutter guys to show up at your house and they say, you're the first job of the day will be there at eight and it's 11.15 yeah. and they're still <laughs> not there. Oh, well, sorry, a little bit of insight into, into my world right now. So mm. uh, friends, thank you for joining us. If you're here for the first time, You've caught Frank and me in sort of the front end of our current series on Paul's epistle to the Colossians, and we're just sort of talking our way through it, uh, not real structured, just very relaxed as the Spirit leads, and why did we choose Colossians? Because Frank and I think it is the highlight of the supremacy and preeminence of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Hmm. And so Frank, if you recall last time, we spent some time summarizing, and we talked about All Paul has done in this chapter so far, he's talked about his love for the Colossian believers. He praised them for their faith. Uh, He prayed for them not to lift up their grocery list of concerns, but to address their greatest need, which, of course, is to know the love of God better. We talked about the preeminence of Christ in creation. And last time we talked about the preeminence of Christ in redemption. And my goodness, right? Mm. what an amazing time. Because we started listing some of Jesus' resume aspects. We said he's the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning. We talked about him being the firstborn from the dead. We talked about that he might have preeminence as a reason for all these things that he might have preeminence. And so we're going to begin today, my friend, with a verse from that same passage in 18 through 20. And it says, For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell, and having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things to himself. By him, I say, whether they be things in earth and on the earth. So we're going to talk today about reconciliation, about making peace. Frank, and I want to begin by asking you the question. Paul said in Ephesians 2 that Jesus is our peace. So it sounds from that verse that peace is a person. But you know, what exactly is peace? We tend to think it's calm and quiet, but Paul says peace is a person. So begin by just unpacking what exactly do we mean when we say Jesus is our peace?
2: Great question, John. And, you know, I think it goes back to the Garden of Eden, of course. And when man rebelled against God, and, you know, there's so many ways that we in the church and even people outside the church try to make this sound so nice. You know, we call it a fall, make it sound like he tripped. No, it was a rebellion and we have fugitives on the run. Man cast off God. And I hear people say, you know, we're all in the family of God. No, no, we're not. There is a family of God, but anyone who is not in that family is an enemy. In Romans chapter five, it says, he died for us while we were yet enemies. And one of the things we have to realize is that unbelievers are enemies of God. They are rebels. They are fugitives. They have bought the lie that they can be as God. They are false gods. They are other gods competing with God. That's why Paul said in Ephesians, you were dead in your sins. You walked according to the prince of the power of the air. You were by nature a child of wrath. We're not all in the family of God as human beings. So what God did was he wanted to restore us. He wanted us to be reconciled to himself. I think back to Genesis, you know, he warned us in the day you eat, you're going to die. And that wasn't a threat. He is life. He is life. It's his nature. So if you leave him, you leave life and therefore you're going to experience death. And so he doesn't want that for us. He is a redeemer. He is a restorer. So he sent the Lord Jesus Christ, like Romans 5 says, to justify us, which is the Greek word dikaio, I think is the name of the word. And it means he will make us right. He will make us righteous by taking our sins away from us. So that by faith in that finished work of Christ, look what Romans 5 says, John, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand and exalt in hope of the glory of God. He brought these fugitives a pardon and not just a pardon. He expunged the record. He took every sin off that list, made right so the right one could come and live with us and we could have peace with God and therefore experience God once again, which means we could experience love and kindness, and joy, and peace, and all those things that are by nature from God. This is huge, John, when we talk about having peace with God.
1: It certainly is. And when I read through this passage, Frank, what jumped out at me was the phrase, having made peace. Mm -hmm. I focused on the word made. You know, we tend to think A peace is kind of like a a warm fog that settles over everything and everything gets calm and quiet. Well, that's not how Father needed to approach this. Ephesians 2 says he broke down the dividing wall of hostility. Mm. So peace doesn't just happen, Frank. Father had to roll up his arms of redemption. We've talked about that verse before. He rolled up his sleeves and got to work. He established it. Hmm. Uh, he worked hard to make peace possible. You know, he's not, why? Because he's not willing that any should perish. You know, Second hmm. Peter 3 says, my goodness, he, he did everything he could. He removed every obstacle between himself and us from his point of view. He took every one of them away so that he's now reconciled to us. And so the invitation that Paul says in Corinthians is, hey, now you be reconciled to God. He's taken down every barrier. Now you step in and you take down your barriers too and come running to this one who has worked so hard to break down every barricade so that you can have the peace that is in his son. So he worked hard, man. He really did.
2: Yeah, he went on a conquest. Oh, yeah, that's <laughs> he, a good
1: way of saying it.
2: Yeah, he, he conquered sin, he conquered death, and he conquered the principalities and powers of the enemy and made a public show of them at the cross to demonstrate that he did what he said he was going to do, and he won the victory, and the victory is now ours by faith. We have peace with God yeah. because of Jesus. And that's our hope. And, you know, John, you've got to talk about hope in that passage in Romans. He said, this is now our hope and hope in a biblical way. is not, boy, I hope to win the lottery someday probably won't happen. Biblically, hope is a confidence because of what has happened. We have hope, too. That's right.
1: Mm You know, Frank, you remember uh, our last series. We talked through the book of Philemon, and the focus of that series was on restoring relationships. And so when I read reconcile in these passages and in 2 Corinthians 5, in my mind, I'm I'm substituting the word reconcile with this phrase, he restored the possibility of relationship between us. So he did everything he could to restore things. All we have to do is just come slip into his lap. It's already prepared. Oh, my goodness. Oh, <laughs> what he has done and how he has worked to make it easy for us to come home. His arms are open to receive us so warmly and so intimately. We just have to choose to come. And I, I think now of our big brother, Jesus, who just wept openly over Jerusalem, because his arms were open, and they chose not to come. Wow.
2: Mm. Yeah, John, I was going to share some of this this Sunday at Grace Life Fellowship, but if you think about what happened there with Jesus, he's, he's opened the door, he's taken the sin of man upon himself, he's experienced death, separation from God, when he had to cry out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He did all of that to open the door for us to come home. And when you quote that passage and he's weeping over Jerusalem, you know, how often I would have spread my wings over you and, you know, welcome to home. But you wouldn't come. That word, when he wept, it literally means to convulsively sob. And it's that incredible quote from 3 John. I've got no greater joy than to know that my children walk in truth. But well, the flip side of that, I've got no greater sorrow than to know that my children walk in lie and deceit and error and sin. So, John, my thesis is that God is the most sorrowful person in the universe. And I know there'll probably be some people that will try to take me to task for that. But as parents, when we see our children not walking in truth and we feel that pain, where do you think we got that? We got that from our Heavenly Father who when the people he created to be his kids don't function as his kids and it breaks his heart. Mm
1: -hmm. It truly does. I do have a gotcha question for you, Frank. Sure. Okay. Uh, In this passage, it says the blood of the cross by him to reconcile all things unto himself. Now, there are some who will say that because all things are being reconciled, Mm -hmm. that all men will be saved. Hmm. So comment on that.
2: (laughs) Well, we know that without faith, it says in Hebrews, it's impossible to please God. We know that whatever is not of faith is sin. We know from the book of Ephesians that we are saved not by our works, but by faith. And we also know that it is appointed unto man once to die, and then the judgment. So if a man has not placed his faith in Christ, and he dies, that's it. It's over. And God doesn't send people to help. Please, I hope people hear that. But God is not a dictator. He does not control people. He gave us a free choice and he honors our choice and men can choose to not receive god that's why paul john used the word he did when the passage you quoted earlier from second corinthians chapter 5 god was in christ reconciling the entire world unto himself first john puts it this way he died not only for our sins believers but for the sins of the whole world. Well, then the whole world's saved, right? No, listen to Paul's word, we beg you. Oh my goodness, John, that's a very strong word. I am begging you, please reconcile yourself to God. And how do you do that? By receiving through faith, the gift of his son. That's why Paul uses the word beg because he knows the alternative of somebody not reconciling themselves.
1: Yeah, very, very true, very sad. And uh, you know, this is an important word for, for all of us who are parents, young and old parents, that really all any of us can do is introduce our children to the savior mm-hmm. and uh, they. No matter how hard we try, how many Awana classes and Bible (laughs) schools and what have you they go to, you know, sometimes you can be raised in a church that teaches Christ's life and live there for decades and still not even be a believer. Mm. Wow. It's just, it's, it's just tragic, but you're right. Our father, the ultimate gentleman respects our choice. Mm. Indeed, he does. All right, sir, let's move on to verses 21 to 23. Let me read this because I want to spend some time talking about just how bad we really are without Christ. Paul says this, and you, I'm going to put my own name in there, and John. John, who was once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled John in his body of flesh by his death. In order to present John holy and blameless and above reproach before him. Okay, so my goodness. You know, we tend to think, Frank, and you and I have seen this over the years, that we're not so bad. And uh, if our good deeds outweigh our bad, and if we try to treat people the way we'd like to be treated, the golden rule, so to speak, and we try to be kind and not be too mean, the scales will tip in our favor at the great judgment well paul dispels all of that and he says hey before you came to christ you were alienated Mm. that means completely shut away from Mm. totally separate you know, it's not like we think of uh, of aliens from another country. They're, they're still human, but they just speak a different language. No, they're totally separate, completely closed off from. They had a hostile mind. That means <laughs> that they're totally opposed to, to God, hateful, and all the deeds are evil. My goodness, Frank, this paints a very dark picture of how we are without Christ, doesn't it?
2: Yeah, John, you know, we pick up the newspaper or we turn on the evening news and we hear about a murder or a string of murders. And then we make these statements. Oh, what's this world coming to? (laughs) I, I can't believe how bad it's getting. Those statements, John, are really declarations of unbelief that we really don't believe what God's word is saying. Um, the heart of man, Jeremiah 179, who's separated from God, is desperately wicked and deceitful beyond all things. So we shouldn't be surprised that there was a string of murders. We should be surprised that there aren't a lot more. That's right. We live in a world of very, very wicked people who I think, largely don't manifest how wicked they are either because the restrainer of thessalonians is holding them back which i think is the holy spirit or more likely they don't want to get caught and thrown in jail (laughs) yeah that's probably it (laughs) and they want to try to follow the quote the golden rule and do good so the good will come back to them but at their heart It's a very wicked world out there with a lot of wicked people, Tom.
1: It is. And uh, if you want a a closer or a more detailed explanation here, Paul writes the same things in Ephesians. Uh, He calls us, apart from Christ, aliens, strangers. And he says this, Frank, we have no hope. And in chapter four, he talks about our understanding. That is, uh, we without Christ, lost humans. Our understanding is dark. We're alienated from the life of God, not because we've not noticed them or we didn't know, but because of the blindness of our hearts, he said. And those who deny Jesus are past feeling, Paul writes, and they have given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanliness with greediness. So if someone stands before the Lord one day, there is no excuse There is no Mm -hmm. person who is innocent, Frank. Mm -hmm. No one can stand before our father and say, I never heard it. I never knew. I didn't know I was supposed to do all these awful things. It's their choice, Frank, their own Mm -hmm. fault. No one will spend eternity separated from God because they didn't hear the truth.
2: Paul really elaborated on this, John, in Romans 1. He said, every man knows about God through the things that are made. We can look at the universe, look at the heavens, that 24-hour days and see the order, see the design. We know there's a God. Romans 2 says we have an internal witness, a conscience, that we know what's right. We know what's wrong. The problem is what Paul adds. Although they knew God, they didn't honor God, right. and they became futile in their speculations. Their heart was darkened, professing to be wise. They came fools and exchanged the glory of God for the corruptible. So what God did, this is the most frightening verse in the Bible, in my opinion, John. God let them have what they wanted.
1: He gave them over.
2: He says, you can have what you want. And at that point, we have listened to what he says unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice, gossip, slanderers, haters of God, arrogant, boastful. Listen to this term, inventors of evil. We become creatively carnal, disobedient to parents, without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful. Oh, it's not a merciful world. And this is what he goes on to say, They don't know they do these things, but give approval to others who do them. I was recently studying the worship of Baal and you you always hear Baal in the old Testament. And what the heart of Baal worship was, was that it was an agricultural God. And so as the seasons would go and you know, in the fall and winter, the leaves would fall off the trees and become cold and the ground wouldn't produce. These people, oh gosh, I almost said idiots. I don't know the other way to say it, John. But they looked at this happening and said, huh, Baal must go to sleep or, or Baal must die every year. So what they did is they created a worship, a religion where they built a temple And they knew that life was in the seed. So they got temple prostitutes. And then men were required to go to the temple prostitutes, worship Baal, put their seed into the temple prostitutes through sexual union. And that would wake Baal up. And then the land would be fruitful again in the spring. So, goodness, John, you look at that. And then, of course, then the sexually transmitted diseases that would then take place and then be passed on to children and everything else. You know, people look at the Old Testament and say, but it was so mean for God to wipe out the people who worshiped Baal. My goodness, Johnny had to. <laughs> it's like a perpetuating cancer and the diseases, and they all had to be wiped out. But my point is, this is how far. Man's mind goes apart from God. We create a God that must die every year, so we've got to do sex to wake him up and be fruitful in the land again. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, we look at that and we go, this is mind-boggling, but it's not really much different from a, what a lot of people say in our modern world. Yeah,
1: going back to that passage you quoted in Romans chapter 1, what you just described, they became futile, empty, useless in their thinking their hearts were darkened they became without excuse and i think of this frank some of our listeners might know this but you know this about me i came up through the university ranks studying the biological sciences the life sciences and so from the very first lecture of biology 101 at university level was evolution and i bought it hook line and sinker up till my senior year, my fourth year, when I became a believer, and uh, I began to question all this. And of course, I began to speak against it. And I began to understand exactly what was going on in the minds of these professors and these other proponents of the theory of evolution. And it came right from this passage in Romans chapter one. And Mm. essentially, it boils down to this. If you reject God, you will believe anything mm. because when the answer is God and you refuse to reject him, you have to accept something else as mm. far-fetched and as crazy as it might be. You remember uh, the last time we we chatted or a couple episodes ago, I went on a science geek <laughs> rabbit trail mm-hmm. and I talked about the fact that in the Milky Way galaxy there wasn't enough, mass stars and planets to have enough gravity to hold the galaxy together so instead of saying wow it must be Jesus keeping it all together like Colossians 1 says they say oh it can't be God because God doesn't exist so we're going to fabricate this stuff called dark matter that we can't see we can't measure we can't touch and there must be a ton of it and that has to be the source of the gravity because there can be no other explanation that includes God, and so I look at this and I say, "My goodness, they are absolute fools in their thinking, brain dead." My goodness, yes. but I guess you know if you reject God, Frank, you by choice have to believe anything, even if it's so far removed from truth that it doesn't even touch it anymore.
2: Well, John, the verse we're looking at in Colossians one twenty one is, "I'm listening to you, what you just said." It's right there in that verse, verse 21, hostile in mind. And that hostility is directed against God. I have to cast God out of my life because that way I can then do whatever I want to do. If there is a God, I am accountable to that God. And I don't want that. So I'm going to get rid of God. I'm hostile against God. So I can go do my evil deeds and satisfy my fleshly lusts. And yet, John, that next verse, the most incredible word, yet. Yes. <laughs> uh, or we could say, but. But, yes. Yeah. It's not the end of this story. Though we may be hostile to God so we can do our evil deeds, but he is not hostile towards us. He sent his son to reconcile you. I love the personal way Paul said that. Yeah, Me, to present us holy and blameless, taking yeah. away all our sin. John, this is so incredible. You know, you and I could sit down and make a list of all of our evil deeds. You know, when we talk like this, I hope our listeners understand we're not sitting here pointing our finger at the unbelieving world and going, look at how wicked they are and look at this list of sins. Uh, we were there. We did that list. But here's the key. You and I could sit down, and make that list right now of everything we did. Go to God right now and say, Lord, I'm so sorry about all the things that are on this list. And John, he would look at you and say, son, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't see any of that. And he would do the same with me. And that's just stunning. Yeah. That calls forth praise and worship on our parts because he did for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. My
1: heart is singing praise right now because I'm flipping back through this passage and Frank and John, we were completely shut away from father. We were separate. We had a hostile mind. We did nothing that wasn't evil. We had no hope. We had dark understanding. We were alienated we're ignorant, we're blind. Uh, And that mess is what our father decided to reconcile to himself. And Mm. this this is where I want us to wrap up our conversation here, Frank. And he did it for a purpose to present Frank and John and every one of our listeners, holy and blameless and above reproach. Oh, my goodness. Holy, Frank, hagios. It describes God, sacred, set apart, morally distinct, pure. Blameless means without spot or blemish. You know, all those things you did, Frank, and I did, gone. And above reproach means we're unblameable. Nothing <clears throat> can be laid to our account. So that is how fully he has redeemed us and conformed us to the image of Christ. So I I sit here, Frank, and I'm kind of shivering. I can't imagine that one day Jesus will stand next to me before Father God and say, hey, have you checked out John? He is holy, he is blameless, and he is above reproach. Frank, it brings tears to my eyes at how fully we have been reconciled to our father.
2: Hmm. gosh john i can't think of the name of the little book that was out years ago but basically the thrust of the story was if you had did something wrong they would put like a sticker on you and you'd have lots of stickers but because you are above approach having been made holy having been made blameless if anyone tried to put a sticker on you it wouldn't stick It falls off. (laughs) Mm. I don't have words to describe it. nothing sticks anymore. No accusation, no slander, no sense of guilt or shame or condemnation. Nothing sticks anymore. No.
1: And you know, Frank, even though we we still blow it sometimes, it's not something that sticks to us. It Mm. falls off. And Father uses that, bad choice that we made to help say hey look john there's another part that we need to work on another another area of your life where we need to learn to choose more wisely to need to choose more consistent with the life that's in you Mm -hmm. and this is how father will use all of our foibles and failures and conform us into the image of God. We're already blameless because we're in Christ, but our life will be transformed into one that will be honoring to him, honoring to each other, uplifting to each other, so that what we do and what we say would bring glory to him and bless everyone around us. I guess Father's in the business of making us a blessing to everyone we
2: meet. Wow. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Paul said to Corinthians, we are the living letters of God, the living letters of Christ. When people in the world can see us as we walk with no shame, no guilt, no condemnation, and walk instead in love and kindness and mercy and grace, they'll look at our lives and go, oh, I see what Jesus is all about. And hopefully they'll want the Jesus they see in us. Wow.
1: And dear friends, if this has blessed you today, we just want to encourage you, please let us know. Let us know if, if, if the things we've talked about, if our lifting up of Jesus has really ministered to you today. We're honored that you joined us. We trust the Holy Spirit to lift up the name of Jesus in everything we say to you. And so let us know. We want to pray for you. We want to lift up your needs alongside with you so that we can join together to take these needs to our Father. And most importantly, as Paul prayed for the Colossians, that we would know the love of God more fully. Well, Frank and our listeners, we've been charting our way through the Our Resolute Hope podcast. We're glad you joined us. And we've been talking about the epistles of the Colossians, chapter 1. Please visit our website, as we've talked about. You can find us at ourresolutehope.com. And remember that everything we do, everything we say is geared toward lifting up Jesus and honoring you. And so we invite you to pray for us and support us with your prayers, with your gifts. We will do all we can to honor you back in return with the materials that we produce. Check us out on all of our social media platforms: Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Sign up for our newsletters, let us hear from you. And again, one more time, we remind you that from Hebrews 6:19 that we all have a hope as an anchor for our souls. Peter calls it living hope. We call it a resolute hope. And this hope is the person of Jesus Christ. So today and always, choose that hope and choose Jesus.
0: Thanks for listening. We trust that you've seen Jesus today. And you know that no matter what you're facing, he offers you himself, his own life. He wants to live his life with you, in you, and through you, as you trust Him and walk by faith in this troubled world. You've been listening to Our Resolute Hope Podcast. For more information, find us online at OurResoluteHope.com and check out our social media channels under the name Our Resolute Hope.